Good morning. Welcome to worship. Our Holy Gospel today is from the 11th chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 1. Glory to you, O Lord. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at the midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on the journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is always already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give the bread, because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find. Those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those? who ask him. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me in praying the Holy Spirit prayer this morning in our time of meditation. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, Grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. One of the things that I was wondering about this week, what did these disciples, what did these disciples know about prayer prior to getting to know Jesus? We know that these men, these disciples, came out of a Jewish religious tradition. So obviously there was some history behind how they prayed. They obviously had customs, they had traditions, they had a religious culture that they grew up in. What did they know? What did they know about prayer prior to getting to know Jesus? I read some insights by a Dr. Lois, I don't know how, if I'm pronouncing this word right, it's spelled T-V-E-R, Twerveberg. She's an author, she's a speaker, she's a writer. She's a speaker and a writer on Jewish background of Christianity. One of the things that she writes is that the Jewish people had this wonderful style of prayer. She says it is a habit of blessing the Lord. It's an attitude of continual thankfulness towards God that expresses itself through brief prayers that acknowledge God as the source of every good thing. She said it ultimately comes from scripture where Moses admonishes the Israelites to not, to not forget the Lord in Deuteronomy 8 verses 10 and 11, where Moses says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which God has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. The cure, she says, according to the rabbis, was to continually be reminding ourselves of God's care for utterly, by uttering a short prayer of thanks to bless the Lord. One of the most prime examples of that, I'm going to read the first five verses of Psalm 103. 
Listen for the word, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Bless the Lord who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Bless the Lord who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That was very much a part of the prayer life of a Jewish person in their religious Life. Something else that I find interesting in this Hebrew word that means bless, the, 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 word, the Hebrew word for bless is the word barak. Hmm. And it means, the actual word for bless means to kneel. Think about that. What's that? What, what kind of image do you have in your head? Can you, can you imagine when we're, when we're in the process of blessing the Lord? It's, it's, it's the implication is, is that we should be on our knees in thanks, that we should be at least at the absolute minimum, imagining that we are in some kind of a respectful position of thanking and blessing God for the blessings in our lives. I think that's one of the reasons why we do what we do on Sunday mornings when I, when I approach the altar. I approach the altar with a, a sense of respect. It's a way of saying, Bless the Lord for coming into this holy place. It's the same thing we do when we exit the sanctuary. We come up here to the altar. We, we bow before the altar. and we, It's a way of us blessing the Lord and saying thank you for having this opportunity for us to come into this worship space today and to, to have this opportunity to come into your presence. There's also some, script, there's also some literature out there uh, within the context of the Jewish tradition called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah is a record of rabbinic thought that was before Jesus up through about 200 AD. And in the very first chapter of that, that writings of the Mishnah, the very first chapter, everything in that first chapter is devoted to this theme of blessing. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We don't use that term very much, do we? I, I think for me, when I think about how I say that, one of the ways that I say that is I oftentimes I, I hear myself or thinking, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Or, you know, I, I think even something like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's, 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 it's another one of those ways that we extend this sense of blessing in our lives. So I think it's safe to assume that the disciples certainly had a prayer practice uh, even before they encountered Jesus. And according to Lois Twerfberg, it was a habit of blessing the Lord, an attitude of continual thankfulness to God. I do wonder, though, what caused the unnamed disciple to ask Jesus to teach them to pray. And it's interesting because not only did he ask Jesus to teach them to pray, but he says, teach us to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples. What did he know? What did he know about John the Baptist and John Baptist's ways in which he had taught his disciples how to pray? There's nothing, there's absolutely nothing in Scripture that tells us how John taught his disciples how to pray. But we do know what John preached. He preached that we should prepare the way of the Lord. 
make straight a path in the wilderness. And probably one of the greatest and most important things that he probably taught his disciples was to pray to prepare for us for the coming of the kingdom. But that's only a speculative, that's only speculation. I like what Matt Skinner, Matt Skinner is a New Testament scholar at uh, Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. I like what he has to say about this request by the disciple to teach us to pray. He says, I think the unnamed disciple in Luke 11:1 1, wanted to learn more about Jesus' love for God. I think that's an interesting thought. That the disciple wanted to learn more about Jesus' love for God and his intense desire to see God's reign come to full fruition. And he goes on, he says, teach us to pray is the equivalent of saying, show us your heart. Now, I'm not quite sure where he got that. I'll have to do a little bit more studying into that to see if I can find that. But he says, Saying, teach us to pray, is the equivalent of saying, show us your heart, Jesus. Jesus, tell us, tell us what it's like to be in communion with God. I really like that image. When, I, when, when you think about this whole idea of when you pray, have you thought about that at all when you pray? Are you, are you, are you thinking about being and wanting to know more about the heart of God, the heart of Jesus, and what it means to be in communion with God? Is that... Is that something that you feel or sense when you pray? Do you feel as though you have a, a, a greater connectedness to God when you're praying? Just some things for you to think about uh, in your prayer life. I know in my own practice of faith, the Lord's Prayer has actually been more of a corporate worship or a communal gathering prayer. Frankly, I can't remember the last time that I prayed the Lord's Prayer as a personal prayer. That's just not a part of my that's not a part of my daily or weekly or monthly or whatever. It's not a part of my prayer practice to pray the Lord's Prayer as a personal prayer. My experience with the Lord's Prayer is it's always been done within the context of a worship setting or a communal gathering. Is there a right or a wrong way to pray? I would say no. There's absolutely not a wrong, wrong or right way to pray. Every one of us has our own unique relationship with God and with Jesus, and that's expressed in every single one of us could have a, a, a different way of telling us how it is that they pray. And again, I like what Matt Skinner writes. He says, if you come to Jesus only to seek information or to follow or to, or, or if you only come to Jesus to seek information or a pattern to follow, we've hardly experienced Jesus in all that he has to offer. He says, don't turn to Jesus in scripture for ruminations on techniques or models or best practices. He says, go there to discover what love looks like. I love that image. I love this whole idea of when we pray, that we go to Jesus, and when we pray to Jesus, we go to find and discover what love looks like. And when we hear that, when we discover that in our relationship with Jesus, then he says that becomes love in action. It becomes love for God, and it becomes love for neighbor. I know that from my own life experience, that prayer comes in a variety of forms and practices, just as it does for you. And one of the things that I find most significant, the most significant form of prayer in my life has been through the expression of music. Many of the hymns that we sing here in church, they are literally prayers put to song. Practically every single hymn that we sing is a prayer put 
to song. Those simple, fun little songs that we sing at camp and at VBS, they're simply prayers. You know, two weeks ago here in Vacation Bible School, we taught the kids, fill my cup and let it overflow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Fill my cup and let it overflow. Oh, yeah. Fill my cup and let it overflow. Let it overflow with love. And I simply told the campers and the VBS kids that were here, I said, when you sing that song, you are the cup. You are the vessel. You are that vase if you want to call it that, whatever it is, that piece of clay, and it's, it's got stuff that can be filled in there. And you're asking God to fill up your vessel to overflowing with his love. You know, I was at camp a couple weeks ago, and one of the things that I experienced at camp was campers praying. And one of the places where that happened was at campfire. And I told you, you know, you, you noticed last week I had that little fake campfire up here with all the votive candles and all. Well, that made for a very dark setting, you know. We were all sitting around this makeshift campfire there up in the pines up in Prescott. And we offered up an opportunity for the campers to offer up sentence prayers. And it really was a very moving moment to hear perhaps maybe the campers thinking it's okay for me to pray because I'm sitting in the darkness and no one's really going to know what voice is coming out. No one's really going to know who's talking. So I feel brave enough to offer up a sentence prayer in the midst of the darkness. And some of the prayers that I heard were deep gut-wrenching prayers from 12, 13, 14-year-old young people Prayers for friends who are suffering and struggling with drug addiction. Prayers for parents who are going through a difficult divorce. Prayers for relatives and friends who are struggling and dealing with a terminal disease or cancer. Prayers for friends and classmates who were being bullied. Prayers for inclusion and acceptance for those who are journeying through identity issues in their lives. The youth that I saw and heard at camp, I heard them seeking, I heard them asking, I heard them knocking, I heard them looking, I heard them seeking out a relationship with Jesus. I heard them wanting and having a yearning to have Jesus hear them. And I really do think that it was a longing and a yearning. Every youth that was there, every youth that was there at camp, they are a part of what we call Generation Z. Now, I don't know how they come up with all these different generations. I, you know, Generation Z is a, a, a youth that's been born between 1997 and 2012. Okay? That's a 15-year period of time. A generation, supposedly, or the beginning of a generation. I don't even know what this generation is. It's, you know, if that's Gen Z, then we must be starting over again with Gen Alpha or something. I don't know what we are now. But all these Generation Z kids have known all of their life is disruption. That's not to say that we don't know what that means. But to think that these young people, all they have ever known for the last umpteen years of their life, in their very young years, they've known things like airplanes flying into buildings and the tower falling in New York City. They know that we were at war in Iraq, in Iran, or in, in Iraq, you know. And we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years of war. And then they've lived through a pandemic for the last two and a half years. And then on top of that, we live in a culture and a society right now that doesn't even know how to work anymore. 
Our government doesn't work anymore. What kind of hope, what kind of sense of, what kind of sense of hope do they even have for a future in this country when they know that our government and our politicians don't even work together for the good of all? And now they look and see we have Russia invading Ukraine. This is all our young people have known. They are yearning to be and to have a God in their life. One of the more moving moments that I saw at camp was one of our male counselors who was on his hour break. And you know what he was doing on his hour break? He was sitting in a gazebo by himself, reading his Bible and writing notes in his journal. A young 20-year-old man sitting on his hour off in a gazebo, reading his Bible and journaling in his journal book. So what do we know prayer to be? From our Jewish tradition and practice, we know it involves the theme of blessing. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, for all the benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Read the first five verses of Psalm 103 and you'll get a sense of what it's like to use the phrase, bless the Lord. It's a way of seeking, it's a way of asking, it's a way of knowing, it's a way of knowing the heart of God. To know more fully and completely that our lives express the qualities of God in our relationships with each other. Is that what we are when we walk out the doors of this church? Or are we someone else when we walk out the door of the church? I think that's one of the biggest issues that we have in our world is that we've got Christians that are one thing in the pew on Sunday, but there's something else when they walk out the door. I'm not pointing any fingers at you. I'm just saying Christians in general. But we, want, we come into this place to know more fully and completely through our prayer life so that we might express the qualities in, of God in our relationships with each other so that we might live lives of faith that extend forgiveness and express compassion and empathy, that we seek justice and advocate for those who are powerless or seem to be, of course, I've quoted her multiple times, one of my favorite authors, Deb Thomas. She has some strong words for us to hear. She writes, we pray because Jesus wants us to. We pray because Jesus wants us to. We pray because it's what God's children do. We pray because we yearn and our yearning is precious to God. And we pray because we need most, whether we recognize it or not, is God's own spirit pouring God's self into us. Our prayers usher in God's spirit and remind us that we are not alone in this broken, aching world. I love that image. Our prayers usher in God's spirit and remind us that we are not alone in this broken, aching world. Why is it that we pray that Holy Spirit prayer every single Sunday? We pray it to remind us that God's Spirit continually reminds us that we are not alone. And I want to leave you with these thoughts from David Ewert, who wrote words concerning this passage today. He says, What Jesus is saying is that whatever the concrete specifics of our prayers may be, the crucial thing is, is to pray that our hearts be aligned with God's heart. That's all we really want, isn't it? That's all God really wants, isn't it? When we pray that our hearts are aligned with God's heart. Not only while we are in this place, but when we walk out that door, our hearts continually be aligned with God's heart. And boy, is that hard to do. Boy, is that hard to do. And I'm talking to myself now, because I can tell you 
My heart doesn't always align with God when I walk out that door. And it's something that I struggle with every day of my life. And not only that our hearts be aligned with God's heart, but that we seek as the answer to our needs to be inwardly informed by that Holy Spirit, that we come to see our needs as the Holy Spirit sees our needs. Lots to think about, lots to consider, lots to ponder. I hope I've given you some things to digest this week as you continue in your walk of faith and in your fellowship with Jesus, in your relationship with him. Amen. Pray together with us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.